Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. All right. So, welcome back to The Bowling Point. How are you, Greg? I'm doing great, except uh, what our listeners don't know is we actually record all these episodes back-to-back on the same we, day. We should not tell them this. No, I'm telling them this oh, okay. because my feet are covered in coffee. That was from last week. And podcast. this place stinks like coffee right now. <laughs> not only is it hot, at least it's hot coffee, right? Yes. Uh, so, uh, I'm very excited to know that our... Uh, our guest does not have to come into the podcast booth today. Right. Uh, although I initially was thinking that it would be cool to have uh, our guest, uh, Mayor Mel Norton, come in and join us. Yes. But he might think differently of us after he comes That's into the little room. Right? Good, that could happen. So, yeah. So, Mel Norton, Mayor of St. John, possibly the handsomest mayor in all of Canada, or oh. North America for that matter. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 And, and it's only uh, the only person that is close to him would be. Uh, uh, Kyle McLaughlin from the hit TV show Portlandia. He would come in second place uh, second after Mel. Mel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and, and so the guests, you'll love uh, hearing Mel. Um, he's a, a fascinating guy. He got a really cool background, a philosophy. He's actually, I think, really taking uh, the city of St. John, New Brunswick, to a whole other level. And he's very humble, so he will be very uncomfortable as he's listening to this 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 preamble. Um, which is great is why we're going to lay it on really thick, right, Greg? Because um, that's important. Um, he's also got some zingers, so we should be careful. That's right. Because he could come at us uh, from, you know, just undisclosed places. So, um, but he's, no, but he's kindly decided to come on. And uh, and we're both obviously big fans of Mel, uh, not only as friend, but also as a leader of the city. Yeah, 100%. So welcome, Mel, to the, the Boiling Point. Uh, it's It's good to have you on. Guys, thanks a lot. I really appreciate the chance. Um, and and you know, we 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 usually start by asking, you know, what's your favorite podcast and stuff. And 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 we should point out that you asked, you know, and we talked about having Commander Hatfield on, and you said I I would love to follow up Commander Hatfield. Is isn't that correct? Well, look, I haven't listened to that podcast because I understand it isn't up yet. But you've had Chris Hadfield on, I understand, and that's amazing. He is, I mean. He's literally an out of this world uh, guest, and uh, so uh, well done. Uh, Look at them; he spins nicely, eh? Like he's a no, no. It is good. Um, so, yeah, go. so, so, Mel, can you, you know, in all seriousness, um, can you give us a little bit of uh, the background? You, you're a you're a lawyer uh, with Lawson Creamer, which is a, a local law firm. Very cool. Um, you know, I would describe it as kind of innovative uh, entrepreneurial law firm. And um, and and out of, out of uh, I'm not sure where it comes from, but you have this passion for public service, and, and well, I do have a little understanding of where it came from. But maybe you can um, tell the tell the audience a little bit about you know your background and and um, you know and, and Lawson Creamer, and then and and the story about how you got into um, municipal politics. Well, Dave, thanks. I, I mean, certainly, um, certainly the the real reason I think any of us are involved in, in serving the community relates to trying to help one another. And that's, uh, that's no different for, for me. Um, and, and we have literally thousands of people in St. John that do that every day. And so that's, that's really, uh, the motivation to do as much as I can in 
the limited time that I have uh, for as many people as as I can, and and so that's that's why I be, became involved and and we have uh, we have a tremendous uh, support system of city employees and counselors who do really all the heavy lifting and and uh, and I get to do cool things like talk to guys like you and talk about all the all the great things that are happening in this community and all the all the really positive stories that that are really happening every day but often go untold and 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 so that's it's it's really it's really trying to do as much as we can to move our community forward in the shortest amount of time we can knowing that our our lives are all very short and we've only got a limited amount of time to to really make a difference so for people that don't know uh, a lot about St. John, New Brunswick, because you know, believe it or not, the audience, uh, half our audience comes from the United States. And um, not everyone would know, but it's a very interesting city in terms of its character and its history. And give the audience a little perspective on um, on just the, um, you know, what, what the city of St. John, New Brunswick is all about and, um, you know, where we come from, but where, we, where we're at as well. Well, St. John is, is, a, is a city that, um, it's nestled right on the, uh, the the coast of of North America, the east coast of North America. It's really isolated geographically from um, much of the United States and and really a lot of Canada. We're part of obviously the maritime provinces. Um, we're uh, we're a city that was founded because of our our water access. So our city is literally built around a port. Um, it was built at first by by traders, uh, by European and, and First Nations traders. And over time, it attracted especially a lot of um, American uh, immigrants arriving from the Revolutionary War. And then later, um, it attracted a lot of Irish famine residents and people coming really to build a brand new life. All of them were pretty much uh, immigrants to this country and to this land. And they really built from from scratch a very a very interesting community they built a community that's extremely diverse in terms of its economy it's it's founded on heavy industry we've got everything from canada's largest oil refinery to uh to canada's only liquefied natural gas facility to a giant ice-free deep water port that surrounds the city uh and then we we've over time added to that things like our province's uh, most innovative and advanced healthcare center, um, and clustered with that, um, one of the one of the the premier areas for IT uh, in in this entire region. We have the two largest independent IT companies in all of Atlantic Canada, headquartered in St. John. So it's a a city that has real extremes in terms of the kind of economy, which makes it very diverse, uh, which makes it strong and stable but like many communities in this economy we've got our challenges and so St. John has um, one of the highest child poverty rates in all of Canada we have some of the oldest housing stock in the entire country and so it's a it's a city of extremes where we have beautiful architecture much of which is still around maybe because of the lack of prosperity that the city has seen and so we've been working over the last number of years and we're beginning to see the signs that people are reinvesting in the community and really taking what we have, um, maybe maybe we've taken for granted, and reinvesting in those old brownstone buildings that are reminiscent of neighborhoods in Boston and, and New York, and, and which neighborhoods were built by the same people or relatives of the same people that built those great American cities. Uh, and uh, 
Mel, you've you've been able to bring a uh, a really interesting brand to the city, and uh, you know we, we call it the we know it as the Renaissance City. Can you explain a little bit behind that? Because what we have is this uh, this blank canvas, essentially um, a work of art that was that was thriving and uh, it was one of the most important port cities in all of the Eastern Seaboard. And then uh, many years ago, that just started to tank. But now you're seeing and the community seeing. Uh, a revival, and I'm not too sure if it was you that coined it as the Renaissance City or if it was somebody else, but uh, maybe talk a little bit about that, and I've got a follow-up after that. Well, there was a there was a conference we were at in New York about three years ago, and it was um, it was a, a conference that was celebrating the top innovative cities in the entire world, and St. John made the list of one of the top seven uh, innovative cities in all of the world. And during that conference, actually, Greg, there was a, a video that, that you were featured and you were hosting talking about the city. And and the, the background was set in our uptown core, which is just filled with beautiful brick buildings and, and, and brick-lined streets and surrounded by the water and this, this incredible... Uh, this incredible story that you really talked about at that point in time of people beginning to remember and value what we have and as a result reinvest. So we've seen people take um, what have been disused or abandoned warehouse spaces uh, for decades and transform entire blocks into centers for IT and and uh, financial services groups and take entire apartment buildings that had been vacated or had been left abandoned and redo entire things for building building density and building uh, and building accommodations in our downtown core and and there was a, a mayor from a, a city in California, and he talked about this idea of renaissance being so important or rejuvenation or rebirth of these neighborhoods. And, and that idea really struck a chord that we in St. John, we can see it literally on the streets of St. John. Um, we're taking streets that for decades have just been uh, asphalt-covered, really disused streets that haven't had proper attention, and they're being completely changed so that their their historic character is being restored. And, and that's complementing the reinvestment by the private sector in building cool condominium spaces and building cool office spaces in our central area, and that's attracting more people and 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 more business to the to the center of our city. And it's so important in a city like this um, to focus on building a really strong core. And so while we know we've got lots of challenges, uh, it's that idea of rebirth and really and really seeing it in the in people's attitude shift towards how they're treating treating the city and what they're doing with the assets that we have here and the buildings we have here. Um. Yeah, and the there's another concept that's been floating around in the entrepreneurial and innovation circles in New Brunswick right now, and I really think St. John embodies this perfectly, <clears throat> which is we have the ability to see New Brunswick and St. John in particular as, um, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the cliche uh, that uh, of, of the living lab. I call it a cliche because people have, have used that word often about New Brunswick over the years, but if we have so many social problems and uh, dealing with uh, really large rates of poverty, uh, etc. What we really have is a whole blank slate of opportunity for innovation and uh, social impact business and really finding a way to experiment in a very small market 
with uh, with tools to make the world a better place in our own very own backyard, using business to affect things like poverty and uh, and, and any other uh, uh, issue that we that we deal with in our community. Um, but it's a really neat way of shifting our perspective on the challenges that we have in the city. Uh, and there's a there's a growing movement right now of people to say, let's stop looking at those as negative challenges, but rather as a foundation to uh, to to experiment and innovate and create uh, create you know profitable businesses and solve these social issues at the same time. I don't know if you thought much about that, uh, Mel, but I'd love to hear your your perspective on that idea. Greg, I think that is you know a thousand percent right, and I think there's two parts of it that are right. Um, one is is the shift in mindset because any time that that um, government or individuals say, "Look, we're going to go to war against a certain issue or a certain problem," that mindset is is not the right mindset. The because that's a, a mindset of conflict, and the mindset that you've articulated is the mindset of this is this is something to be embraced as an opportunity to see real results after we've after we've taken on the opportunity and we can see the wins that come out of it, and we we've seen that you know in in very real ways. Um, we have a, have a group in St. John that provides microloans to businesses, and they're in the process of constructing a new building just to house a number of social entrepreneurial organizations. Well, there's a whole bunch of wins wrapped up into one. And are they dealing with something that traditionally has been characterized as a problem? Yes, poverty and, and lack of employment. But have they reframed it completely? Like this is a chance for us to at the same time um, really, really have a positive economic impact to experiment and find a way to to um, to, to really build the community um, in a way that is completely different and not framing it in a, in a problem type of way or not framing it, we're going to go to war against poverty, against this issue. We're going to take this and embrace it as an opportunity to see what we can do to really have a positive influence. And that's that mindset, in, in my view, is so important for changing um for changing St. John and changing our whole province, for sure. That is a different mindset that hasn't been applied very frequently. So I, I, I agree with that very much. What, what do we need to do uh, to spread this message and this word? And uh, you know, it's it's true. We are, most of our listeners are from away. They're not. They don't even know where St. John, New Brunswick is. But this is a common story that you could find in Lowell, Massachusetts. You could find in uh, Lafayette. Uh, you know, you could find anywhere. This exact same thing is happening all across North America. So it's relevant. Um, so I, I'm very curious to hear what your opinion is on. What can we as a community of influencers, i.e. the, the you know, business leaders, pol- uh, political leaders, uh, and social influencers, what can we do to start changing that, that perspective and educating people to say, hey, we've got an opportunity here, and it's now in our hands to make, the, in, in our power, I should say, to make the changes we need to make. Is, is there a, a shift of conversation that we can, we can help happen, make, make happen here? Greg, I, I really think so. You know, I, I, and I think at the core of it... Um, at the core of it is 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 real um, is is real leadership and and real um, real people centered leadership um, and and probably the one of the most important pieces of that leadership, if not the most important, is is what you mentioned a minute ago of changing how we're, we're looking at our situation and changing it from one of, of focusing on problems to, to being extremely positive about what is going right. We are always, um, both as this city and as a province and as, 
as countries in North America, Canada, and the United States, we're always going to have challenges. That is not going to change at any point in time. But what can change is individuals talking about and sharing the positive opportunities and talking about things in a in a in a positive way and talking about how we can can do things in a way that 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 is not focusing on the negative and not ripping down our own communities and not ripping down one another but is really focusing on the positive and and being constructive instead of being critis- critical being being solution solution oriented and that that mindset, I'm sure it isn't unique to St. John where we can be our worst critics and we can pull ourselves down and we can be critical of one another and organizations and it's really flipping it around. And yes, there's all kinds of places for accountability and we have to, you know, do that in our organization. But we've we've got to start with this basic of, of being very uh, very positive, and that's something that we can, as individuals, hold ourselves accountable uh, to, both on social media and in the public domain. We can hold um, individuals and public figures accountable for being positive about what's going on in our communities and the opportunities, um, and and really moving the conversation. Even if, if we disagree, disagreeing in a respectful way, one that isn't mm-hmm. isn't uh, isn't tearing down of others. Mm-hmm. And Elon, and I, what I really appreciate, Mel, is. Um, you you uh you're i think you're a very good role model for that and well i don't think i know you are and um and i and there's this body of work called appreciative inquiry right and it's and it's actually where where we look at a situation and instead of focusing on the negatives you appreciate what's going well you look it's a strength based kind of approach to 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 solutions which you're describing in my mind and uh, and there's a lot of evidence around how this actually, you know, appreciative choir actually is a great way to to um, to to tackle a challenge, right? And it's mindset, and it's, so it kind of gets. So for, I'm sitting here from the coaching perspective, and I'm thinking this kind of concept of inside out leadership. So how? So what I'm wondering is, um, you know, you 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 campaigned a number of years ago. You were a counselor. You 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 put your hat into the ring. You 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 became the mayor um, by a landslide, actually. And, um, you know, and I'm sure there's been a lot of lessons learned, right? Um, there's a potential to go to, to probably feel negative at times if you're human. I think you are. Um, and uh, but how do you stay? How do you keep that positive mindset? Because, I mean, that's that's important for anyone listening to this, whether you're an entrepreneur running into some challenges, whether they work in a corporate environment, in a municipality, if you're the if you're a public servant, I mean, if you're a public figure, how do you, like, what's your trick? Like, what have you learned about, the, you know, this idea of staying positive? Well, I, I think, Dave, I mean, it's it's certainly no different different for me, and I'm I'm susceptible to those moments of feeling down in the mouth and 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 feeling woe is me. So um, I wouldn't want to pretend for a second that that um, I I don't have those moments. I think what what uh, what we all can do is we can um, build into our lives um, those moments to um, to really recharge in a positive way and and to uh, have real positive inputs into our into our everyday life. There's there's so much um, there's so much negative. Um, that that you can be exposed to in the run of the day, uh, whether it's uh, media or social media or conversations on the street. There's all kinds of negative stuff, and I think um, one thing that we can all do is we can can take steps, whether it's you know unfollowing um, you know negative media or whether okay, it's yeah. um, or, or 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 stop listening to media altogether, maybe for a week or two to except really for, except for the boiling point. 
of course. <laughs> right, except for the boiling point. But to to really to really to to really um, isolate yourself from from that negativity is one thing. And um, another thing you can do is to get lots of positive input on a daily basis. So whether it's a a great book, whether it's a great podcast like The Boiling Point, um, whether it's whether it's um, whether it's a a a, a great um, a great audio book that you listen to on your on your iPod on the way down the street, whether it's um, a, a person that you meet with on a daily basis or a weekly basis to to really hear affirmative stuff, whether it's uh, you know someone like yourself, Dave, like a, a coach that you meet with on a regular basis to to really figure out you know how to get some positive input. But finding a way each day to build build a, a moment of positive input into your life, um, and for me, it, it's it's typically it's typically doing something in that vein, listening to something or reading something, or or taking a moment to 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 get some positive input every day, and to the greatest extent possible, um, kind of putting a protective shield around yourself from 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 those negative inputs and those negative people. Um, because that, that, that's, that's energy draining and it's, and it's productivity draining and, and really shifting away to one where you're getting as much positive input and as little negative input as possible. I think those are some concrete things that, that we can all do. And I, I think Mel, you must have some, uh, some secret exercises to, to practice this positivity because not only are you in the political, uh, realm, you're also in the legal, uh, legal profession. So I'm sure you get uh, a fair bit of negative uh, inputs and arrows coming your way. Uh, but the strong leaders know how to put that coat of arms on and let that stuff deflect and continue onwards. And uh, the bulk of uh, our assumed audience base are entrepreneurs. And I think they can learn a lot from this is, uh, you know, there's so many different forces telling you that you cannot reach your vision with your business. Oh, yeah. And there's Absolutely. so many different things that are just trying to drag you down. But hearing your words is really, it's very practical for, for many of the, the entrepreneurs that, we, uh, that we're speaking with. Well, you know, there, there's, um, there's a great entrepreneur out there, and you would have all heard of him, uh, Sir Richard Branson. And, and Sir Richard um, has, has several points that, that he talks about in terms of, of building a, a great life and a great entrepreneurial mindset and, and really a great positive mindset. And, and, he, and he really summarized it. It was something that I came across the other day, and he talked about, you know, politeness mattering every day, yeah. being as independent as you can, uh, being action oriented over, over anything else, like just do it, just do it as much as you can, um, lavishing praise on other people, um, you know, and, and then finding those moments. He talked about the time when he found, um, Necker Island, an island in the Caribbean that he bought, you know, many, many years ago, but finding that space and time in your life to get your virtual Necker Island or your actual one, if you can, can, can be so fortunate. And then, and then, um, make sure you're having fun, lots of fun along the way. And those, finding the, finding, you know, those examples of people that have been tremendously successful and pulling out their ideas and their vision, that's something that we can all find time to do. It doesn't take probably more than 20 minutes a day to, to find that kind of positive input and, and really 
whatever you do, whether it's you're an entrepreneur, whether you're um, whether you're employed by uh, by a, an organization, or whether you're in in public service, we can all do those kinds of things every day and and uh, influence positive change in that way. So you mentioned uh, Richard Branson as a, an example of to share, you know, shedding some really good insight, and, and it's so true. You know, he is a great example. But for you, who are your like who are your role models? Like who do you you know? Um, aspire to be i mean i mean or or who who get who influenced you maybe to get to where you are or maybe influences you now to to be this positive person are you asking if it's obi-wan kenobi or luke skywalker <laughs> maybe. Yeah, that's right <laughs> yeah so it's definitely it's definitely han solo for sure <laughs> that's appropriate <laughs> um i guess guys the the um like like many people, um, our our parents are so important to us, and uh, my father is extremely important to me. And and the example he set, um, he's a person of just pure pure leadership and pure service to other people. Um, he's a he's a minister uh, by profession. He's retired now, but his whole life is was centered around um, helping and serving other people. And I think that's left a pretty profound impression for me that 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 is where at the end of the day I suppose on that moment when we're we're all taking our our last breath um, we want to know that we've been of extreme service to other people and uh, and his example is one that I think of uh, frequently when I think of of being of service so that's extremely inspiring to me and if I'm able to do that then to me that's that's a successful life you, uh, you know what's so interesting is um like over, so I, as, as some of the listeners know, and you'd know Mel and Greg would know, cause, uh, I have actually had a chance to interview Mel in the, in my column yet. Um, but what was often a question I asked, Greg, I interviewed you a number of years ago. And so you, you know, it's this column, it's called Leadership Unleashed, where I interview leaders. And one of the questions I, I typically ask is like, who inspires you? And I, you know, and I went into it thinking that I'd hear about Gandhi and, you know, or Oprah Winfrey or whoever, or, you know, Trudeau and, and Mel, what your answer is so typical, where people talk about people in their family, you know? And I, I know what it's done for me is it helps me go, oh, so maybe maybe my kids are watching me right now. So what kind of a role model am I being, you know what I mean? Because for me, it was my grandfather, who was actually a minister as well, uh, Mel. Um, but it's just interesting that, that that's a place that we can find a lot of uh, inspiration is for the people around us. You know? uh, and I've, I've got a ministerial slash um, legal question for you. Uh, a, a friend of mine, how, how a friend of work? mine, actually, I'm so curious. About my friend this. of mine, can I bill you for this question, Greg? Is this a billable question? This is, it's, this is billable. Start the clock. I, I was camping in a yurt a few weeks ago in in Maine, uh, and a friend asked me. He just got he just got engaged while while we were there in in this yurt in said yurt, and he asked if I would officiate his wedding coming up. Me, little, I'm not a minister, nor do I have any legal rights. But is that something that uh, that I've got and that I'm empowered to do, Mel? Well, you know what you you could do. Um, you you could ask. Um, you need to become the, the mayor of St. John first, Greg. Yeah, that's right. Um, you may. Yeah, I don't know if you could become a, a a temporary clerk of the court. They have these little these little statuses now, where I think I think um, at least lawyers can become honorary clerks of the court for a month or two. And I don't know if uh, if um, if they do that for filmmakers and podcast makers like. Like Greg Hemmings, <laughs> but if anybody should deserve that, you should, Greg. I think you're Perfect you're. <laughs> so well, but but it, it, um, here's a here's something I'm curious about. Um, how is it that so many like lawyers tend to be so um, 
you know, as a profession, so much more successful than others in as uh, in the political life. Like, what's your theory on that, Mel? Well, my own theory. This is very pers- my own personal theory. Is um, many many lawyers are motivated to go into the legal profession um, by pure altruism. They want to help other people, and and it's a very um, it's it's a very idealistic mindset. The legal profession is is sometimes conducive to helping other people but the legal profession is is oftentimes about just applying the law to the your clients um in, in the best way for your client and that may or may not be uh, that may or may not result in an outcome that is satisfactory to you or your client and and so it does it does i think leave a gap in terms of wanting to genuinely help other people so you see so many people in the legal profession volunteering on committees volunteering in organizations stepping into political life doing things where they can have um have real on the ground influence and and impact and it's really simple things in the municipal context it's being able to call up the people at the utility and say, could you turn the lights on or fix the light bulb on such and such a street because it's kind of dark there and people don't like walking in the dark. And it's that basic. Or can you make sure we get this road paved because people are having a hard time driving their cars on that road. We need to get that in good shape. And you can just have a positive influence on very basic everyday experiences for people. So I think I think it probably comes from genuinely wanting to help people. It's probably the same motivation that took many of them into the into the legal profession or to law school to begin with. And I think that's great, isn't it, that uh, so many young people, uh, you know, before we got into our careers, so many of us were driven by that. And, and the, the, the blessed and fortunate of us who are still doing it, uh, I, I feel are, you know, really living happy careers. Um, it's kind of sad how some of that, that motivation and vision and altruism pretty much gets beaten out of people in certain careers ah. and certain, not, not careers, sorry, in certain yeah. workplaces, you know, and in a way this ties back to the, to our initial discussion about the whole city here, Mel, where we have the opportunity here to continue beating uh, vision out of people or to make this a truly Renaissance experience and breathe new life and say, we have the power and the opportunity to be altruistic and to be, uh, you know, be very high impact people and solve Absolutely. the problems that we have uh, in our backyards. Uh, so it's oh. a nice little segue. Yeah, no, for sure, Greg. And it, I mean, uh, Dave, you mentioned some of the great, great leadership figures, you know, Gandhi and Mother Teresa and others. And, and uh, you know, to Greg's point, you know, the greatest leaders we can think of, people like, you know, Abraham Lincoln, people like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., they were people of incredible vision for what could be. Mm-hmm. And if we apply just an ounce of the kind of vision that that they had for great social challenges and great political struggles um, to rebuilding a community and being positive about what we've got here, my goodness, I mean, that's... That that is that has incredible power, and it is being it is freeing ourselves from what we see every day to having the faith to believe that look the, what we can envision a much more incredible and successful future, not just for ourselves but for our, our children and on, and we can truly dream about what kind of place this can be, and and so it does it it, it goes right back to to what you've you both said well and you know and i was thinking the other thing is um i've you know this is um it's about making sometimes very tough decisions i would think 
right? I know it from a business context, but I know you've had to make tough decisions as a political leader, right? Or, uh, you know, as, as the mayor or take a tough stance or maybe unpopular stance. And what I, I'm kind of, I'm curious about, like, what is it, like, that doesn't get you pulled into making the easy decision, right? Or, or that, that would just satisfy people and you wouldn't, you wouldn't feel the, the, some of the wrath of a certain group as an example, right? Like, you know, and, and, and really having to dig in your heels and saying, I know this is the right thing. I'm just wondering what, how do you, how do you do that? Like what helps you make tough decisions uh, that you need to make? I think two things. First, it's, well, probably more than two things. One is is having a tremendous network of really good people um, around me. Um, you know, you're only as, as good as the people that support you. And so having extremely good, competent people to get advice from, whether it's my partners or my friends or whether it's my wife or my um, assistant at the mayor's office, all of those people uh, are are critical. The, the other thing is is um, is being as independent minded as possible, realizing that um, you have to do these decisions independently. And the third thing is is listening to not the loudest voice, uh, not the not the person that's screaming the loudest, but to the majority of people, and and moving ahead with what's what's what is actually right for the majority versus. Um, what might be preferable to the vocal minority or to the interest group and and it's it's easy to to um it's easy to only hear the loud ones um it it's i think that the better way when when you listen to the majority and and try to focus on what's best for for the majority that's that's i guess as much as i can can think to to answer that one dave that's good. Now, um, we, we're, we're coming close to an end, Mel, and uh, if you don't mind, can I, can I ask one more oddball question? It's, it's, For sure. it's traditional of me. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a combination of what ministerial and legal... The, this uh, one's a little more playful, a little oh, more adventurous. Um, uh, as, as you may not know, Dave, uh, uh, one of my uh, heroes growing up uh, in grade five, grade six, grade four was Mel Norton. He was, uh, he was one of the older kids in the neighborhood. Um, so I was this little dinky squirt that used to hang out uh, in Mel's basement. Um, I was really good friends. This is a true story. I was re- yeah, true story. I was really good friends with Greg, uh, Mel's younger brother, also a counselor of the city. And this one adventure, Mel, I remember you took. You, at least you said you took. There's a culvert off of uh, Borsed Road. Right. Big concrete culvert, and the stream runs into it. And there's true. no logical place where it goes because it goes into a hill. <laughs> And you said that you took a little raft and you went deep, deep into the earth. And I, I always believed it was true. And if it is true, I gotta, I gotta know where does that culvert end up? Well, it it ends up in a um, a precipitous drop um, <laughs> into a, a major um, into a major sewer system. Oh, so I hope you didn't actually go in there. <laughs> So we we went in as far as, and then our raft started to go over the the edge, and we realized we were about to drop some um, some number of feet. I probably it 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 felt like probably it was twenty or thirty feet. It's probably no more than a five or six foot drop down in there. But uh, we scrambled pretty hard to then pull ourselves back and paddle upstream again. Journey to the center of the earth, and I every time I drive over that culvert, I tell a story. Yeah, Mel. Uh, Mel took a raft into that pipe. So, 
an adventurer from an early age. I'm, well, I'm, I'm not scared to tackle, you know, kind tough of tough questions. Tough questions. Yeah, clearly the big challenges. Yeah. So drops into sewer systems. So, so Mel, what's what's the best way for people to uh, follow follow you, get in touch with you, uh, etc.? And also uh, a, a quick little plug to marketing in St. John. How, yeah, what's what's best way for people to see what's going on in this great city? Well, look, um, there's all kinds of ways. You can visit the City of St. John's website, uh, www.stjohn.ca. You can follow my uh, my Twitter feed, uh, Mel Norton SJ. Um, you can you can also email me with any questions, um, mel.norton at stjohn.ca. And I'd love to hear from your listeners and, and love to share the positive news that's happening in this great city. You're the best, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. We tried to get you on a while ago, but it wasn't the right timing, and we we were wondering. He was rafting somewhere. We're, yeah, he was rafting. We weren't sure why, you know, uh, but we knew we'd have you on sooner or later. So thanks so much, Mel. It was, pa- it was painless, eh? Look, thanks, guys. I really enjoyed it, and uh, you guys are you guys are the best. You're a couple of the, the examples I think of when I think of the positive energy and creativity in the city. So thank you for keeping me inspired. <laughs> thanks, Mel. Well, have per- a good one. Perfect way to end. Thanks, Mel. Talk soon, bud. See you guys. See ya. Mel is probably the only mayor in North America that is totally cool with people like us calling him Bud. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully he's not the only one. But if he is, then that's a sign of who he is. This guy's a great guy. And the the great thing about Mel uh, in this city, like this is is a city city. St. John's a very small, very small version of a city. But this is as as urban and industrial of a city as you would see anywhere in the in, in the eastern seaboard in the U.S. Uh, considerably with, smaller, but with, it's with amazing history. Amazing history, but it really is a microcosm of the urban experience uh, that you find anywhere else, where there are massive social issues here. There's massive uh, opportunity here, uh, and there's a ton of brain power uh, here as well, and. I think uh, Mel came to lead the city at the right time uh, during this shift where people are saying, look at what we have around us. And many people want to live here and continue living here. And they're finding ways to do business everywhere else in the world and bringing wealth into this little city. And they're, they're buying these beautiful buildings for cheap, turning them into these luxury condos that would probably go for a few million in New York City. Uh yeah. So anyway, it's 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 a really neat time to. It is, uh, it is truly a renaissance. Yeah, it is. It's not just a brand. It's we're, we're witnessing it right now. Yeah. No. And I and I and you know what's interesting, as I can say, I've personally witnessed it from the time I arrived because I didn't have any background, but I've just seen in a and I, and I would hope other cities this is happening because you know the municipal experience is tough, right? I mean, there's this real compression of. Uh, of all the the issues uh, falling to the city, and you know, not having a tax base to properly um, deal with them, because you know the the transfer payments are being cut from feds and the province, and and on and on and on. These municipalities are dealing with it. And you see this crumbling infrastructure in certain cities and stuff. So, but what I've noticed here in St. John is, uh, you know, when I first arrived um, 15 years ago, is you see these cool restaurants popping up. You know, this the, the, we got so much choice now, which what I didn't have. We didn't have 12 years ago. And like some of the um, companies deciding to start up here and stuff. And then, so to your point, like having Mel, um, you know, take on leadership has been really, for I think you and I, well, we both would agree, very progressive. Um, so from our talk, and I didn't realize you had that history with Mel, like back to the childhood. Grade three, oh, yeah, David, grade three. Oh, okay. <laughs> now this is your, this is, who is why, this? Why don't, why don't we just <laughs> let it go? This is so interesting. Uh, so something's happening with both of our, anyways. So what's your takeaway? 
Well, quickly. first of all, I'm, I'm really excited that uh, my friend Ben Rama's music is playing right now. This is a local St. John uh, electronic musician playing, wow. playing us out. Much better uh, than what mine was. <laughs> my biggest takeaway, Dave, is that you have to stay positive. And there's, it's your decision to do that or not. Right. So to put on that coat of arms and decide to take in the, the, the stuff that's going to uh, become fruitful in your, in your day or the stuff that's going to drag you down. It's your decision. That's my takeaway. Yeah, and you know what? And I think it's daily practice. Mel talked about that. Um, I love his inspiring message. And it uh, feels like the music's getting louder. It's a dance party here. Oh, yeah. And it's a terrible time because it's getting warmer and warmer, too. But but we can live with it. Uh, no, I just love the positive attitude, man. Mel, he just he brings it. And he, he role modeling. He's living it, not just saying it. <laughs> this is awesome. Over and, and out. If anybody wants to hear more of the music that's playing, check out Ben Rama on Facebook. He's amazing. On that note, share our uh, experience here, people, and uh, let people know what's happening. And um, as always, we, we love hearing from everybody. And we're going out on Ben Rama. Beautiful. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.